Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Show. My name's Josh Ayler, joined by Trey Scott, sitting in Barton's chair. Yep. Connor Taps moved down yep. to the yep. desk. And we got our man, Kevin Boyler, sitting up where Connor sits in Connor's corner. Welcome to the show. You've been here before. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, appreciate the invite today. A little last minute, but I'm glad that I uh, got the invite here in the call-up. And it's now Kevin's corner for this. Kevin's yeah. corner. Kevin's okay. corner. Right. I, was, I was running with the twos all week. Now we're concerned about possibly burning Kevin's red shirt. He's already played two games this season, so... It's, it's getting interesting. I like when one of us goes down. And Barton's sick. He, he's oh, he's going to be okay. And it, it takes a lot for Barton to actually register himself as sick. But he's not doing so well. So we've kind of called everyone in. And My I mean, we all moved he, down a chair. Did he contaminate the office? We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, hit us with your questions, comments. We'll read those throughout the show. And we're going to have a fan of the week, as always. Get to that. So our, qu- <laughs> our crack team of experts will be checking for good questions. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and get started, fellas. So a bit of shakeup in the playoff rankings. Yeah. So LSU goes down to all Alabama and beats Alabama. So that drops. Well, that oh, excuse me. That promotes LSU to number one. That dropped Ohio State down to number two. Clemson jumps up all the way to three, and the shocker perhaps is Georgia at number four. That which means Bama has dropped to five. Yeah. So. What do we think? What do we think? You know what's funny? It's not one team kept their ranking. Yeah, in the entire In the entire top 25. Top 25. Not one team kept their ranking. Josh, you sort of nailed it with the, the shocker was Georgia. The most important part of Tuesday's playoff ranking release was what the committee does with Alabama. Right. Because what if the committee kept Alabama at four? It's a very clear statement that they love Alabama. But I think keep putting them at five is a sort of a, a neutered mm-hmm. statement as well that Alabama... I don't know if they control their own destiny, but they should be sitting pretty pretty. Yeah, kind of looking back on it, if they put Alabama at four, and when you look at what has, Alabama has left on their schedule, yes, it's Iron Bowl. You never know what's going to happen, but I think we all kind of think Alabama's a lot better than Auburn. It seemed likely that Alabama could win out with a relatively down schedule from what we expect from an SEC West team and still have a very direct path to the college football playoff. And that would have been pretty difficult for a lot of people to stomach. I still think at number five, you know, they don't control their own destiny in the SEC West. They don't control their own destiny in the playoff. But it sets up a situation where it's not hard to see the possibilities where Alabama gets back into the mix. One of LSU and Georgia is going to lose. You could have some, there are a lot of good teams in the Big Ten competing for the Big Ten championship right now. You could have some chaos there. If Clemson loses, I think we all think they're out. Mm -hmm. And I think Alabama does have the inside track over the Pac-12 teams. Really? Okay, so like I I think above Alabama, like LSU, LSU or Georgia will get in Ohio State, Clemson, they're going to win out. They're just too dominant. My question is, and, and this was sort of my immediate reaction on the College Football Daily podcast, I guess on Tuesday night, are the teams behind Alabama, the Pac-12s, and then the Big 12s, sort of further down, Oklahoma at 10, Baylor, I believe, at 12 or 13, Baylor's at, at 13, do they have enough, can they make up enough ground? Because that's like, it's, it's fine that Alabama's five now, I do sort of want to dive into Georgia's credentials at four, because I think that says something. It's fine that they're at five now, but, like, I think if you're an Alabama fan, you probably are making a mistake if you think you're just going to cruise, sit at five, and then move up sort of well, uh, to, to four, depending on what LSU and Georgia well, do, right? Well, if, if things ha- hold serve, Oregon's going to be playing Utah in the Pac-12 championship. That's right. going to carry a lot of weight. Yeah, six versus seven is going to be a massive win for a Pac-12 team right there. And then Oklahoma and Baylor, 10 and 13, well, they're going to play this weekend. So Oklahoma, in the next month, could play number 13 twice, and you would play 13 once, and then what, Baylor drops, what, to 20 by the time you beat them and play them again in the Big 12 title game. So you play 10, 
or you play 13, you play 20, you have a win over number 19 Texas, a loss to top 25 Kansas State, and you also play Oklahoma State, which is uh, number 22. I think that gives Oklahoma a lot of ammo to move up. A lot, and I think more than any of the Pac-12 schools. Yeah, I, th- I think we're seeing when there is any question, and I think the, the positioning of Alabama and Georgia pretty clearly demonstrates this. When there is any reason to question the eye test for mm-hmm. a team, they're giving a lot of weight to the schedule and specifically quality wins, I think. Yeah, rather than a, a loss. Right. So that's going to be interesting for the Big 12, five teams in, in the top 25 right now. And it looks like the, like that's a pretty good spot for whoever, come, whether it's Oklahoma or Baylor, whoever comes out of that, assuming it's one of those two. Mm-hmm. I think if you're Big 12, hoping. You, it, yeah, you need it to one be of one of those two. two. Then, um, then the Big 12's in a pretty good spot. I think better than the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 is suffering from the eye test a little. And I know the committee watches, does a, does a much better job of watching the games than the general public. Yes. But I think, I mean, Oregon and Utah were on a bye this week. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's going to come down to how do they look in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah. It's going to have a really big impact on how much momentum they have going into, the, into that Sunday when we find out who's the top four teams in the playoffs. Because the committee still wants the best four. Well, and, and, and that's why, you're like, that's the argument for putting Alabama in is it's hard to say they're not one of the four best teams in college football. So you're right. If, if the Pac-12 championship game is a version of Pop Warner football, no, neither of those teams are going to get in. I think it's interesting, too. By putting Georgia at four, right. the committee is saying we don't really care about, about losses. Yeah, because you lost to really. Well, that's bad what I was going to bring Carolina up. Because if you look at Georgia, Georgia's got that lost, awful loss to South Carolina, and yeah. they put up a stinker against Kentucky as well. Yeah, uh, but they won but the game. They won. Uh, but you look at Oregon; that has that last-second loss to Auburn. Yeah. I mean, are we look? Are they saying strength of schedule, eye test? I mean, what are they? What are they looking? I mean, last week it was it was eye test for Ohio State and resume for Penn State over Clemson. I'm not going to sit up here and act like I know what they're doing. I do think it's, it's clear with Georgia that's sort of our, our, our answer to the test is, is the wins. And maybe that tells us something going forward because Georgia has two top 16 wins. Oregon's going to finish with one. Utah, Oregon or Utah would finish with just one. Alabama, depending on what Auburn does, Alabama would love for Auburn to beat Georgia this week. Alabama's going to finish with one. So we will see. I think the only guarantee right now is that LSU makes it in. Or Ohio. Like, if Ohio State started to stumble, you know, I, I don't know. But I think LSU could make it in with a loss. Probably Ohio State, too. Yeah, I mean, for, L- for LSU, that, prop- that make it in with the loss probably has to be – or it's a lot more – it's a lot easier to be certain about that if it's coming in the SEC title game yeah. because if it comes somewhere else, then it's to a team that we don't think is all that great right yeah. now because they have a really easy run-in – uh, the last three weeks, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and uh, A&M. A&M, yeah. A&M, probably the most difficult test. So, Let me ask you this. Is there, with Clemson sitting at three, is there any way they could jump the top two? Oh. Oh. Um, sure. If LSU, I mean, LSU would have to lose to Georgia. And in that case, I think LSU still makes a playoff. I thought you were going to ask if Clemson can lose and make it in. I don't think. No, no, yeah. no. I, I don't no. think they can either. No. I, yeah, I think, no, I think, I I think their eye test says they're one of the four best teams in college football. But I don't, I don't know. I, it's going to be fascinating. A lot of people are starting to get worried about what happens if Baylor wins out. Like, would undefeated 13-0 conference or champion Minnesota Baylor get – or, or Minnesota. Have well, they had to play Ohio State. State. Yeah. Would Baylor get in over Alabama? I think you would have to – like, Baylor's schedule right now is not good. But, again, if you're a Big 12 team and people are forgetting this because they're saying Alabama's at five, the committee's going to put Alabama in, the Big 12 has so much left on, on, the, on the table. I want to I want to push back on the Baylor schedule isn't good. They've got wins over the 16, 24, 30, and 33 teams in ESPN's FPI. That's Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and TCU. That's not it's not what LSU has done, but it is it's definitely better than what Clemson has done. Mm. It's definitely better than what a lot of teams in the it's it's better than a lot of teams' schedules. I think Baylor is being dinged mostly because of the eye test. I mean, it's Baylor's on its ninth, tenth, eleventh life at this point. They 
really haven't convincingly won a game since Iowa State. I mean, West Virginia two weeks ago, TCU this week, they needed some miracles. And then also Baylor had no non-conference scheduling gumption. Like they played Rice. Uh, it, 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 so I think they'll lose. I think they're, you know, it's a great story. What a resurrection Matt Rule has led in Waco. I don't, but I, I think they'll lose, but I think they do have enough to, to get past Alabama. At a minimum, I don't understand how you have them behind two lost teams in Florida and Auburn still That's at this fair. point. That's fair. Well, let me, okay, j- jump back to my question real quick, and we can move on here in a second. The reason why I bring that up with Clemson being able to jump the top two is can Ohio State jump up to one? Do they have a strong enough schedule? Because yes, here's they my were thing. one last week. Right, but can they jump back up there? Yeah, I mean, because I don't like. Here's the thing: I don't think teams. I think if you're LSU or Cle- or uh, or Ohio State, you don't want to be, be in that two spot with no. Clemson sitting there. That's I, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State has number nine in two weeks or a week against. They're playing Penn State on November 23rd. They have a game against Michigan uh, over Thanksgiving. Michigan's number 15, and then they would probably play number eight Minnesota in the Big 12 title game. And if it's not Minnesota. They play Wisconsin, which is 14th. So now that you get us talking about that, yeah, maybe they do jump back up. I know LSU's going to get the game against Georgia, which is fourth yeah. right now. But, you know, the committee last week showed us they do love Ohio State. LSU's schedule last week was already better than Ohio State's before LSU went on the road and beat Alabama, right? So the committee had gone eye test anyway. Yeah, and I think maybe That's a, a thing point. to keep in mind about why Certainly, LSU beating Alabama, probably the major reason they moved ahead of Ohio State. But at the time the committee releases top 25, we still don't know, didn't know for sure what was going on with Chase Young. Yeah. And Rob Mullen said afterwards that who isn't, who isn't playing does factor into their thinking. Maybe, maybe if we knew at the time that it would only be a two-game suspension, as we found out yesterday, maybe, maybe that does keeps LSU from having quite enough juice to go ahead of Ohio State. But I think I think the committee probably views those teams as being like pretty close. Pretty, pretty close. Strong point. Thank you. The battle to be number one actually matters this year. I think it does. So I think it really does. That's a great point. Uh, Kevin, how are we doing in the question department? Well, we've heard a lot about eye test versus resume when we're talking about creating these rankings and what does the playoff favor more one over the other? Do they or do they not? And – Teresa is wondering in the comments section, particularly not so, so much the resume building wins, but what about the ones that the losses that bring down the resume, specifically with Georgia? She says she's just not understanding how Georgia is four with a bad loss like their one to South Carolina, and Ohio State l- last year lost to Purdue and didn't even get to sniff the college football playoff. So maybe we can help find some clarity on why. That's not dragging Georgia down as much as the Purdue loss seemed to drag down Ohio State last year. That's interesting, um, especially because Georgia's loss was at home. Ohio State's was on the road. I think I would, I would say it's about the blowout. Ohio yeah. State was blown out by Purdue. Ohio State two years ago was blown out by Iowa. And to say Ohio State couldn't sniff the playoff last year is false. They were, I believe, number five in the final rankings. So, look, Oklahoma's, or, yeah, Oklahoma's last-ditch effort against Kansas State to, to come back from three touchdowns and make it a one-score game was massive. Alabama being down 20 at halftime, if that score had held, we're talking about Alabama as like a number nine or eight or ten team in the country. So I think it's, it's yes, it matters who you lose to. It matters also how you lose. I mean, I think Georgia probably should get more of a ding for that loss to South Carolina. But, I mean, I think what we know for sure right now is the, the committee it doesn't see it that way. So, I mean – whether we disagree with it or not, like that's that's the way the committee seems to be rolling here. Is that they just don't care if you lost to a really bad team. If if it if it becomes a blowout, then maybe that becomes a factor. But right now, it just does not seem to be something that they're placing a particularly large amount of weight. Yeah, on. in the past, it was how bad was your loss or who'd you lose to. Now it seems like who are you beating. Current resume is obviously very important, uh, but sometimes it's hard to look at these teams in the bubble of just this year. Clemson, obviously the defending national mm-hmm. champs, but everyone knocks their current resume this year. Alabama being number five right now, but if you ask probably nine out of ten college football fans would tell you Alabama is one of the four best teams in college football right now. Kind of on the same page, Corey says, I think that Minnesota belongs up there because this is the first time they are 9-0 and since 1904. Now, I don't think we should go all the way back 100 years to look at teams like this, but should team history matter at all in rankings? It's hard to say it doesn't. 
Like, it really is hard to say that it doesn't matter. Because the teams who are getting the benefit of the doubt here are Georgia, they're Alabama, maybe they're even Oklahoma, whereas teams like a Baylor or a Minnesota are sort of getting left in the dust. Yeah, but so it's kind of difficult to disentangle some of the factors here because, yes, to some degree, it's the decal on the helmet, but to another degree, it's because, well, the decal on the helmet means that they have a very talented roster, and, and so that... That plays into it too. I, I, I do think that there was an argument to be made for Minnesota. I mean, I think moving them up to eight from 17 is a pretty aggressive move. Biggest I, jump ever. I think there is into the top 10. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there was an, there's an argument for being even more aggressive with it. And I think this week, going on the road to Iowa, good defense how they respond after this big win, after having their coach in the headlines. Um, you know, it'll, it, I think if they follow that big win up against Penn State up with a nice win against Iowa, then I think you got to be willing to say, okay, the Penn State game, I don't think we, there's no reason based on watching it to think it was a fluke, but maybe that's factoring into the thinking a yeah. little bit here. I think if they follow that up with a win against Iowa, I'd like to see them, at least move ahead of the Pac-12 schools here. Maybe to four. Marion says, no one from ranking six through ten is jumping Bama no matter what they do unless Bama loses another game. A lot of people seem to think that Alabama, at number five, the committee was sending a message to them that they just need to keep winning. Is that true? Or will they, last year, for example, we saw Notre Dame sit at home while everyone else played their conference championship, and they ended up getting into the playoff. Will Alabama, will that be held against them while other teams are winning, well, competing in conference championships? I think one thing to look at is, are they going to get dinged for not playing in the conference championship game? Right, that's what, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's the one thing to look at. That's your thing right there. Well, I mean, you can even throw that out. And, again, like, I'm having... I'm, I guess I'm two-faced here because I believe Alabama is one of the best four teams in college football. But when you look at the resume, yeah, with what has to happen in the next month for the Pac-12 and especially the Big 12, those teams are going to have better resumes in Alabama. Yeah, it has nothing to even do with it getting an extra data point. I guess it would be yeah, it would be awesome to beat Georgia and that would you know solidify Alabama. But it is to me, it doesn't have to do with this you know 13th conference championship data point. It's the fact that. One of these Big 12 teams is going to go play two to three more top 25 teams. Yeah, I mean, I test for me, like, end the debate. I've got my four teams. Right. We, don't, we don't need to talk. But just based on the way the committee, the things the committee is prioritizing, Alabama has one more chance to add a good win to its resume, and that's going at Auburn last week of the season. And Auburn could lose uh, some games on, on the way to, to the Iron Bowl, and that could end up not being – as highly ranked of a win as, as it looks right now. So there's just not that much upside for Alabama's strength of schedule from what it currently is. But I test absolutely put them in right now. Let me, let, me, let me ask a question. Let's pretend for just a second Clemson didn't have that almost loss to North Carolina. And they're rolling. Would they be number three right now? Would they be number one? Because that, what, I'm, what I'm asking is with their strength of schedule. Yeah, I mean, I think Clemson, I think it was, it was silly that they were five last week. Yeah, I think three is the right spot for them. Yeah. They don't have the resume to put them over Ohio State or LSU, but you're right. They are absolutely rolling. I know they haven't – I know the schedule is weak, but they're, I believe, number three in total defense or, and number three in total offense. And we know the horses they have on offense. We know the receivers. We know Travis Etienne. We know Trevor Lawrence. And those guys are starting to really pick it up. Um, I, I think three is the right spot. I think five was, an, was a miscalculation last week. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Clemson, I, I don't think the, the – I think if they blow out UNC, they're still in the same spot because the, the schedule isn't helping them, and LSU's schedule does so much to help it. They have wins over 3, 9, 10, 23, and 26, according to FPI. That's, and Ohio State is not as good, but it's similar in – the ACC is just not good enough. Didn't mean to hijack your questions. No, one more question for you guys for now. Uh, the Pac-12 has a clearer path, I guess, than the Big 12 to the playoff with Oregon and Utah right behind Alabama 
uh, Oklahoma and Baylor a little further back. Oklahoma in particular coming in at number 10. Brian says Oklahoma won this week and still moved down in the rankings. What do the Sooners have to do to move closer to that top four? Okay, so I was on your show on Monday, and I said Oklahoma was my loser of the week despite the fact that they won. And, yes, they dropped, but Minnesota jumped people. So, like, that's why they dropped. Oklahoma was a two-touchdown favorite against Iowa State. And they only won by one. They needed a two-point conversion to win the game. Sounds kind of like Clemson against North Carolina. And right now their defense is trending in the wrong direction. However, I'm going to push back on the theory again that the Big 12 is in a bad situation. I just think the rankings are happening at a time when the Big 12's traditionally backloaded slate has yet to play out. I think Oklahoma, if it takes care of business, could be okay. But I, I do think they need to start making statements. It's not going to be enough for them to beat Baylor, beat uh, Oklahoma State and beat Baylor or Texas again, I think they need to start blowing teams out because the eye test will matter, and it does at four and it does at five, and no one wants to see a, a bad Oklahoma team with, a, with a, another bad defensive unit in the playoff. All right, thank you, Kevin. All right, so let's move on. Let's go up to Columbus, Ohio, talk a little Chase Young. Uh, so he was suspended, what, they, initially they came out with four games for, was it, or they talked about four games? They had, there was speculation that Chase Young would be suspended for four games. It turns out it's, it's only, only going to be two. Right. So he, he and they said, he, you know, he had to sit. And this news has all played out within the last week. Like, we had a show Thursday, Chase Young news drops on Friday, and there's been like nine lifelines of this story, and it's Thursday, and, and it's nice and tidy. And so he'll miss Rutgers this week. Don't need him versus Rutgers, but thank goodness we get college football players, college football's best player back for Penn State and Michigan. Penn State, exactly. Yeah, so I don't think we mentioned the backstory here. Uh, no. So Chase Young accepts a loan from a family friend, or it's questionable whether they meet the NCAA mm -hmm. technical definition of a family friend, and to pay for his girlfriend to go out to the Rose Bowl last year, has repaid the loan, but uh, is still having to sit out two games here. And there was some... Um, uh, reporting from our Maryland site, Inside Maryland Sports, that uh, actually during the Ohio State-Maryland game, Gus Johnson kind of editorialized that maybe someone at Maryland blew the whistle right. on Chase Young, and this was the reason Ryan Day was running up the score. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Day has denied that that's, they said that it didn't come from any team in the Big Ten, uh, the Gene Smith has said that too. Um, so, and, and Maryland lost, the Maryland staff thinks that they lost a commitment from a DeMatha offensive lineman because he was mad about that being, being something that was out there. Something weird happened here. Apparently this was reported, Ohio State was made aware of this incident the day after the Wisconsin-Ohio State game, which of course was the day that we were all talking about Chase Young Heisman. It was Chase Young's true national breakout moment. I mean, he had had a great year until then. I think whatever happens is petty. I, I am so surprised and pleased that this is a two-game suspension. This isn't some sort of long, lingering issue that's going to last the rest of the season. I think that's a rare statement by the NCAA, which is notoriously slow-moving and sort of wrong-minded here. Yeah. I think it helps that this is at Ohio State. I think it helps that this is Chase Young, who is a Heisman contender and rather, you know, not the, the defensive tackle who nobody knows their name. So it's a, I think it's a rare step in the right direction for the NCAA, which is apparently trying to move in that right direction too. Yeah, it, it does stink, though, that it appears to definitively end Chase Young's attempt to mount a serious campaign. I don't know. To, I mean, he's not. So, I mean. A campaign well, or an invite? An invite, I, he might still get an invite. Joe Burrow's winning that thing regardless. Joe Burrow, yeah, Joe Burrow's winning it regardless. Joe Burrow's winning that thing regardless. Yeah, but it, it kills the, the stat padding. I mean, Maryland and Rutgers are just really two sorry teams. Yeah. Chase Young could have gotten six sacks total against those guys. Yeah. And, and come into national televised games, Penn State and Wisconsin, with a chance to go for Terrell Suggs' history and chance to win the Heisman. But it's hard for me, given what we thought was happening on Friday, that he took a loan that there was, you know, a non-pre-existing relationship with this booster, yada, yada. I was like, wow, we're not going to see Chase Young until the Big Ten title game. So it ended well. Did, did Gus ever say where that came from? Did he ever make it a... It's like a tongue-in-cheek. No, he just kind of obliquely said, oh, well, he's from 
He's from DeMatha High School in Maryland. Maybe, maybe they know something about it. Yeah, it? yeah, and I, I would assume that Gus Johnson stuff, the knowledge of what he had, would have come from Ohio State. Like Ohio State, I think at some level thought someone snitched, <laughs> or else I guess Johnson would have just made that up. So I, it's a, it's it's a you know Big Ten East, a little petty, a little petty. All right, let's uh, let's move on. So last week there was another coaching fire. Arkansas fired uh, Chad Morris after an embarrassing loss to Western Kentucky. Who at called home. it? Uh, well, you had a little help with that, but. Uh, so, I think, where does Arkansas go from here? I, first of all, you know, just like Florida State, they gave the guy two years. Less than that. Less than two years. Um, you know, where do they go? Where do they turn? Well, the odds favor Memphis's Mike Norvell, who was in the mix last time. I almost wonder if this job is in such a hole right now. I mean, Chad Morris didn't win an SEC game that Mike Norvell would, would wait for something better. And I was thinking you might wait for Florida State. We'll have an update on the Seminoles in a little bit. Connor, is there a name here that like stands out as, I don't know, sexy to you? Sexy? I don't know. I mean, Bill Clark has some things oh, going for him. He's not sexy. No, but I mean, he's, he's done an impressive up. job rebuilding the UAB program uh, that, you know, sunk to un, really unheard of depths having, not having a team for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, they, you know, um, they were dead. But I mean, I, I almost, I, the thing I want for Arkansas is like a Matt Campbell of the Deep South. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that person is out there. Maybe Mike Norvell is the closest thing to it. Just somebody, it's kind of a tough year for these, as we said before, for the up and comer coaching circuit. Well, what's interesting is I would think Mike Norvell would be a slam dunk if he even wants the job. His salary is two more than six million. You know, Arkansas can go above that. He's only 38. There's a few questions with him. Arkansas said it wants a sitting power five head coach. Okay. Okay. So that, I mean, Memphis is a group of five job. That eliminates Mike Norvell from the job. And you know what, Arkansas, in years past, it would have eliminated Matt Campbell and Tom Herman too. So I don't know if that's necessarily the best qualifier here. There's also some concern, apparently, on Arkansas's end that Mike Norvell simply maintained the program that Justin Fuente Mm. built at Memphis rather than built something from the ground up, which is what Arkansas is going to have to have if it's ever going to be competitive in the SEC West again. So that's why Bill Clark would make sense because UAB literally was dead. Mike Leach is another option. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think that's weirdly a concern with a lot of the coaches you might look at, like Eli Drinkwitz at Appalachian State. Like, yeah, but is, he's been is, here for one. Year. Yeah, yeah, and he's sustained Scott Satterfield right. too. So I, I look, Arkansas has the horses t- to be able to be sort of the third or f- not third, fourth best SEC West team, and th- they need to be able to recruit out of it's Texas. A t- too. It's a tough job. It's the, a tough job, like- but we've seen them be good in the last ten years. No, they, they, they can definitely compete. I feel like the thing that they're looking for a sitting power five See, that's head what coach I want to is a weird to. corner to back yourself into. That's because who's out there that's going to jump to Arkansas? Right, because right now Arkansas is like pretty close to the bottom of the barrel they of are at the power five jobs. Now you've got well, not the talent in the area. Team. You've got some funding, and but like in terms of the state of the program as it is right now, like who is out there that sees? Oh, Arkansas! I'm at a Power Five job right now, and Arkansas is a step up. Maybe Dave Clawson at Wake Forest is ready for okay. another challenge. Um, I mean, but do they want to Matt win the, Rule? Do they have Matt Rule on their wish list. I don't see that happening. Do they want to win the press press conference, or do they want to win? I mean, that's the thing. Right. It, it sounds like they only want a Power Five coach. Sounds like to me they just want to win the press conference. That's what it sounds like to me. But. It has to be some sort of name out there. You know, I, I just think that's stupid. That's just... Well, ahead. you know, it, Matt Rule and Matt Campbell are on their wish list. I don't see that happening. No. You don't leave stable jobs for the instability of Arkansas. I, I, I would think Mike Norvell would be a slam dunk, but I, I don't know if he would even go there. And then again, they have this, you know, Power Five stipulation. And we've seen coaching carousels come and go, and we were like, oh, Mike Norvell, and he just, like, hasn't gone yet and mm-hmm. i i don't know it seems like we're kind of like hitting an expiration date moment or maybe he's just going to stick around there for a while yeah well we can't talk you know coaching carousel without talking florida state my man boiler over there you talked to josh newberg at uh you know knows 24 7 i'll let you I'll, I'll throw it to you 
What's up everyone? Welcome to Boiling Point, where we put our experts to the test by asking them a few pointed questions. Florida State is in the midst of a pivotal coaching search after firing former head coach Willie Taggart earlier this month. With me to discuss this search is Josh Newberg of Knowles 24-7. Josh, it's been a roller coaster ride so far. First, Bob Stoops was in as a candidate, then he was out, now he's back in. Deion Sanders' name was floated as a candidate in between. Did the Seminoles have a clear plan or are they just riding the waves of this coaching search? Well, remember, Florida State made this change with four weeks to go in the season. So this is okay that they haven't hired somebody. We're only 11 days into the search in its entirety. But Bob Stoops has emerged as, I won't call him a front runner, runner, but let's call him the focus for Florida State right now. They are swinging for the fences. And it's okay. They got time. Right now, while the focus is on Bob Stoops, it doesn't mean that they're, that they're complacent. I mean, they're vetting other guys. There's some stuff going on in the background right now. But without a doubt, they're still chasing Stoops. Now, can they throw enough money at him? That's, a, that's one question. Can they build the support around him that he needs to feel comfortable? That's the second question. And all of that is taking place right now. They're trying to convince Bob Stoops to take this job or not, but give him an answer in a reasonable amount of time because they do need to make a hire. Florida State wants to make this hire by the end of the month, Josh. The program already lost a handful of commitments when Taggart was fired. Will it cost the Knowles even further on the recruiting trail if they can't get a new coach in place within the desired time frame? Well, to this point, Florida State's lost three commitments. The core of their 2020 class remains intact. Odell Hagens, the interim head coach, and the assistant coaches are preaching patience to the recruits. But how long can a kid that's making a, a big decision for his future wait to see how to see who FSU offers and who takes the job? So I do think there's some leeway, okay? The, the last game of the season is against the Florida Gators. I think a, a reasonable amount of time to make a hire would be 24 to 48 hours within the end of that game. That way, a coach can get on the recruiting trail and make some waves before early signing period. Remember, that December period is looming and it's coming up fast. FSU needs to get a coach in place to take advantage on the recruiting trail. Josh, thank you so much for stopping by. Florida State's coaching search is sure to heat up in the coming days. For the latest, make sure you're following Josh on Twitter and reading his work over at Knowles 24-7. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey. Hey, so, uh, okay. Hey, look, I, when Kevin pitched this as a boiling point, I was like, what's boiling about it? But I think you found an interesting angle and sort of what what's a perceived mess of this of this search? Well, I just think social media loves to pile on. They love to burn things down, especially when it's like a once proud program like Florida State. So as soon as they show a sign of weakness, like firing their coach as short a time Willie Taggart that had there, everyone wanted to say. Everything about Florida State is messed up. Their coaching search is directionless. They have no idea what we're do they're doing. I thought Josh did a great job pointing out, hey, it's only been 11 days. And yeah, there'd been some you know, misdirection in the storylines with Deion Sanders, with Stoops. But overall, Florida State appears to be on the path to getting the guy that they want. We'll see if it all turns out and they get somebody within that time frame we talked about on the video. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think it's the dumpster fire that Twitter wants it to be. Yeah, the Deion Sanders thing was a mess. I think the, one of the most interesting takeaways of this video, it's not that Bob Stoops is attainable. Like, what else is he going to do? He's coaching the XFL, and I think these sort of older coaches have gotten the itch again watching Mack Brown, Les Miles, Herm Edwards sort of do their thing at programs. It's that Bob Stoops is the guy Florida State wants, and I get it. I mean, we, we just talked about the coaching carousel options this year are limited, right? Yeah. But his, his brother has been in the game the last few years, and he's doing good things at Kentucky. Bob Stoops makes sense for a few reasons, because he's Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops will get you in the living room of every single recruit in the country, and he gives you stability, because this is a guy who's won a national title. He's not going to go in there and get overrun by boosters. He's going to have a, a good culture in place. My issues with Bob Stoops, 
I'm not even going to throw out the age that he's 59 because that hasn't mattered in recent coaching success stories like Mack and Les Miles. It's that his last iteration at Oklahoma was truly saved by Lincoln Riley and a transfer quarterback named Baker Mayfield. Without those two guys, this program was still winning Big 12s because the conference was, was down around that time. But they were not the Oklahoma I grew up watching and fearing. This team had certainly lost its bite and it took Bob Stoops making a strong hire Offensive coordinator from East Carolina, some guy named Lincoln Riley to save his program. But hey, he was one for two on good, uh, good coordinator moves because he also let Brent Venables walk to bring in his brother Mike. Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about, okay, so you're going to go out and hire Bob Stoops. Like, what is it that you're hoping he's going to bring to your program? Like, there's a lot of coaches out there that are like, okay, we're going to bring him in, we're going to bring Mike Leach in, and we're going to run the air raid. Like, we're going to hire Coach X, and we're going to play like this. And, like, I just don't know. I think with Bob Stoops, you're like, we're going to hire Bob Stoops and hope he makes some good coordinator mm-hmm. hires. Yep. And restore stability. To, it, it feels weird. It, I think it's a reflection of how dire Florida State views its situation to be, that the thing that they think that they need to do is hire a stable, known name over, over anything else. Uh, well, you can't get this hire wrong. Yeah. You cannot get this higher wrong. Willie, Ta- I mean, the program, culture-wise, too, got driven into the ground by Jimbo Fisher. And no one wants to say that because he's you know, a current active head coach at Texas A&M. We don't want to burn bridges. But it wasn't good. Willie Taggart made some improvements, but it's still not good. You can't get this higher wrong. And I like the, I like the aspect of a Mike Norvell or a Mark Stoops. So look, if, those, if one of those guys, and we don't know they would be the guy, if, if they can't turn it around, like, where in the world does Florida State go after that? So at least this is a higher Five years, back on track, at least get competitive in the ACC, recruit well. He's not going to be a visionary offensively, but, I mean, this program has to stop going backwards. There's just not a name out there that's like a Scott Frost or somebody like yeah. you had two years ago. So, uh, Well, there is a name. Uh, yes, there is. But let's, let's move on to a team we've been talking about all year, uh, a team that doesn't have an open spot yet, but it's USC, Clay Helton. What do we foresee there? Well, this is the team that's going after the name, and that'd be Urban Meyer. Clay Helton, I'll pitch the uh, College Football Daily podcast I did with USC's Ryan Abraham, a USC reporter for us, publisher for us. I go, what's the chance that Clay Helton's gone? 98%. I go, yeah, duh. What's the chance Urban Meyer's the new head coach? I was surprised at this. Only 33%. I thought it'd be higher. So this is Connor... Look, you, Urban Meyer has a lot of baggage. Urban Meyer has baggage from his time at Florida with over 30 players arrested. Urban T- Meyer has baggage from Ohio State and how he protected alleged wife feeder Zach Smith and got a three-game suspension. But USC, according to Ryan Abraham, is totally okay with all of that. This is about, does Urban Meyer want this job? I think there's a football argument to make about why it might not be. Th- I mean, Ohio State is playing much better without him as head coach this year. I th- I th- it's his infrastructure, but continue. it's his infrastructure, and I think, I think if you, th- if Urban Meyer is going to be incredibly successful at Ohio State, or I'm sorry, at uh, USC, I think your theory has to be that kind of the attitude and approach to recruiting in USC and maybe in the Pac-12 more generally is so far behind that Urban Meyer is going to come in and modernize that, and I think there's that's probably your strongest argument. I think. Yeah. Uh, Oregon's really the only recruiting threat right now in the Pac-12. And that's funny that you mentioned that because that's the climate Urban Meyer walked into at Ohio State. Right, exactly. The Big Ten was not recruiting nationally, and he ruffled a lot of feathers by going out and, and bu- you know, busting some chops and recruiting really well. And that the conference had to keep up. You know, Penn State had to get James Franklin. Michigan had to get Jim Harbaugh. I think Urban Meyer just, you know, put up a fence around Los Angeles. Honestly, USC would be back in the playoff in two years. His, like, where he's working is so hilarious florida ohio yeah southern california maybe it's like uh and he has a path to <laughs> national championship at usc he has a path to national it'd be, it'd be interesting watching usc you know run urban meyer's offense yeah but he's I mean, a path to title another thing to think about too is you're only going to get a max years out of what six seven years yeah that's you know i mean i think with him and stoops it's like okay so what is what is our five-year plan is a worthwhile play. question Playoffs. No, but i mean in oh. terms of like the future of the program like these are not super old coaches but they're you know they're not the young up-and-comers like what what do you see as being like in with urban meyer 
longevity has been an issue at every stop. Absolutely. Are we 100% positive that Clay Helton is going to lose his job even? I mean, they're yeah. still mathematically they're in it, in, I believe, in, in, Pac-12, in the Pac-12, and they beat yeah. U- uh, Utah, who's in the lead in the South. So, And that certainly doesn't help recruiting either. <laughs> Look, right. Clay Helton could keep his job. Ryan, Ryan Abraham alluded to that. It would take them winning the Pac-12 South and then beating Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. And then, you know, USC would make the Rose Bowl. I think USC has – dragged its feet long enough on the Clay Helton era. We all thought they were going to fire him last year, and Lynn Swan shocked the world and released a statement that they weren't going to. It's time for a new direction, Kevin. Their recruiting efforts are, I believe, it's 70th in the country. So, you know, Josh, you and I could recruit a top-ten class in the U.S. At this point, like, whether he can turn it around or not, it's almost, it almost doesn't matter because the air of negativity about his future has become so toxic for recruiting that it's, it's just uh, too much. Yeah. All right, I'm going to let you set me up. Oh, boy. It's that time of Josh, uh, to- speaking of an air of toxic negativity, your betting segments this season have been brutal. Uh, you went to the World Series of Poker. You won $22,000. And each week you're betting that on a game that you don't know about yet. So I'm going to hand you this envelope. Um, $308,000 is, is your hole. So you're going to read this. We're going to put the clock up there. I'm sure Barton wishes he was here to, to bust your chops about this one. Um, I've can been, you tell us now how much you're going to put down? I'm down three hundred and eight. Oh, the clock. Thousand dollars. Oh, the no, clock no, no, started. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, okay, wait. You're good. You ready? Get the clock up. Okay. Wake Forest at Clemson. Clemson's a thirty-four and a half point favorite. Clemson. Clemson covering. Mm. Massive line. God. How, are you, how much are you putting down? I'll go half. Okay. Colin, Man. you can figure the math out. I, I, that's, I mean, that's, I a, that's a huge... I can't believe the line is that big. It's huge. I can't either. Their receivers, uh, Wake Forest, Surratt's uh, out yeah, for, that's for the That's a lot year. of points. It's a massive line. It's at Death Valley. I think Clemson... I put this in there because we haven't picked a Clemson game since week two because the lines uh, are so big. Yeah. I think Clemson is going for blood. They, they're mad. And I... That's why I'm leaning Clemson. They cut, but they only covered last week because NC State muffed a punt in the fourth quarter, well, that and Dabo like, kept going. What was the spread on that? It was like 36? Yeah. Is that what it was? It was, it was up there. Good. Is it, that's a big line. Yeah. That's I, I don't line. know. I, I, I don't know. I just – I mean, of course, Wake Forest is going to cover, but I, I, it's hard for me to pick against Clemson. It's a big line. Uh, all right. Take a lose of time. Hot takes by you guys. Let's start with Trey. Okay. So I have a take, and I just want to acknowledge that I nailed mine last week with the whole Western Kentucky will be Chad Morrison's mm. last game. So my take this week, two SEC teams are making the playoff. It's not the two who you think. Oh, man. Oh, oh boy. All right. LSU's in. I, I don't want any LSU fans to freak out. You're in, but it's going to be via an at-large bid because you, I think, are going to lose to Georgia and Atlanta. Wow. Yeah. Georgia is not a perfect team. Georgia, on a given day, might be kind of bad, but Georgia has this type of football that I, plays the type of football that I think will give LSU problems. Namely, they can play defense. Secondly, they can slow the clock. They can control the ball. DeAndre Swift. LSU's defense can't stop anybody. That's pretty clear right now. I think there are three teams in the country that are going to give LSU problems. Kevin, we've talked about this. Ohio State and Clemson because of defense, but those teams aren't on their schedule yet. I do think Georgia is going to give LSU some problems win the SEC, make the playoff, kick Alabama to the curb, Georgia, LSU. It's going to be interesting. It's a month long to go. But I feel kind of good about you know, it. I feel sort of good say, about let's it. Let's pretend for a second that Georgia did beat LSU. Could you imagine the angst and like everybody waiting around Baton Rouge for the next day? For oh, football? they would make it. I don't know. Hey, man. I feel like not- you're kind of uh, juice, artificially juicing your take here saying that it's not the two you think. Like, it's not the two in the exact order that you thought, but it's the two. No. It, uh, the two that most people think is Alabama and LSU. Right. But you're saying LSU but and Georgia. But the two now right. are LSU-Georgia. Yeah. 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 Do, do you want me to read Barton's? Or? Yeah. What, did Barton have one? Oh, yeah, Barton does have one. <clears throat> Barton's goes, no sitting Power 5 head coaches will take a new job this year, which goes into our discussion okay. just a minute ago. So Mike Leach, Dave Clawson. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, James Franklin. So this, well, I know the I, logic here. No sitting power five coaches will take new jobs. Uh-huh. James Franklin at USC or Florida State. Oh, uh, okay. Barton, he was talking about in the office this week. 
the lack of coaching dominoes we might have. If Bob Stoops goes to Florida State, doesn't open up a hole. Bob Stoops wasn't coaching right. anywhere. If Urban Meyer goes to USC, doesn't open up a hole. Urban Meyer wasn't coaching anywhere. So this makes sense. So then Barton's bet then is that a Mike Norvell or a group of five coaches taking the Arkansas job and not Dave Clawson or P.J. Fleck or anybody like that. Like it's also saying no Power 5 head coach would get fired and take a different job. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what he meant? Uh you ready for some more questions? Yeah, sure. And on that same note, uh, when we showed our graphic showing the odds from Sportsline to be Arkansas's next head coach, at the very, very bottom was Gus Malzahn. And Colleen mm. says, why has Gus Malzahn been named as a candidate for Arkansas? Would he really leave Auburn for a job like that? I, mean, I think he would. They've been close before. Yeah. I think he would. Gus Malzahn is potentially going to have another 8-4 and four season. And I... I don't know if Auburn's going to fire him after an eight and four season. Auburn has, you know, certainly flirted with doing that in the past. But if there's a sort of misery around this program as that eight and four season crystallizes, I think it would behoove Gus Malzahn to be like, you know what, guys, good luck without me. Just go home. Yeah, I'm going home. I'm going to finish my career out in Fayetteville. They'll never fire me. Safe spot. Give me a ten year lifetime deal. I'm good. Because the drama at some point has to be taking a toll on Gus Malzahn. Yeah, I. It's gotten to a point where I just like no longer understand what Auburn fans think about their program or what realistic it's every year we go through this are they going to fire Gus even though it feels like every year they have a pretty decent season maybe a couple of losses you wish they would have won but you know what's interesting is that if they hadn't come from behind to beat Oregon this is very very possible team goes seven and five yeah which is crazy because Auburn, Auburn is a good team like we've watched them and I was talking to an Auburn fan about it a few weeks ago I was like eight and four should be enough he's like Stop acting like we're like Mississippi State. We're Auburn, and I get that. But the schedule, especially every single year playing Georgia out of the SEC East, like what do do you expect Auburn at any point in time to ever eclipse Alabama while Nick Saban is still coaching? And, and Gus Malzahn has actually beaten Nick Saban, obviously. Like, I, find me a coach who's going to do better than Gus Malzahn is in at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's a reason to tell yourself a story that. Auburn could take some steps forward. I mean, you've got a true freshman quarterback. I know you lose yeah. a lot on the defensive line, uh, and that and that side of the ball is kind of carrying you through a lot of games this year. But, um, I mean, I think Bo Nix has the potential to, like, kind of ride, help Gus Malzahn ride into, like, a new wave of I Auburn so. prospects. I think so, too. Another coaching question. This one comes from Brent. says, speaking of coaches – do y'all think Ole Miss is doing the right thing, keeping Matt Luke around for another year? Yeah, so they just announced that. I think given what he had to come into, I think given the nature of the coaching carousel right now with really no slam dunk candidates out there, yeah. it's the right move. It's not like they're getting humiliated each week. We don't even talk about Ole Miss, which honestly, given the, the, you know, the, the penalties they were hit with, I think it's a good thing for them. I just, I'm all in favor of giving coaches enough time to build their program. I mean, look, I, I get Chad Morris losing the Western Kentucky in the manner that they did. Yeah, that deserved, that probably deserved yeah. to be a firing. But at least give somebody a chance. Like just nobody has any patience anymore. Just like you got, like Mike Krzyzewski, you know, Duke, it took him four years to even, like he was almost fired at Duke. Yeah, Davos Sweeney was almost fired. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it, again, sure, certain situations, but patience is key here. Especially when you start talking about the expenses of buying people out and and all that. I mean, at a certain point, you have to wonder: okay, is is the cost of buying this coach out? Could it, could I spend that money and invest it in facilities instead? Like, am I so convinced that I'm going to get an upgrade at the head coach position that it outweighs the positives of spending that money somewhere? And we've talked about the expectations and how fans, like at Auburn, might have to reset them. Ole Miss fans have to reset their expectations because the three, three five-stars in one class that Hugh Freeze pulled, that's not coming back anytime soon. Like, this is what your program is right now, and stability, I think, is key. Yeah. Back to uh, rankings talk right now. Oh. LSU and Ohio State are one and two in the country, uh, and that is the matchup. Chris in the comments section says he wants to see. He's calling it the Burrow Bowl and wants to know mm. if those two teams were to play each other today, who would win? Kevin, who do you think would win? I'd have a tough time going against Ohio State. They play good defense, and they're good on both sides of the ball. If LSU against Alabama, you know, 
they can shoot, do, win in a shootout against anybody, in my opinion. Put them up against a tough defense, I want to see it. Same thing here. Ohio State, I think Ohio State would slow LSU down. I actually, I have a take. This is my take. Ohio State and Clemson would be, both beat LSU. Defense wins. I think anybody can beat anybody in the top four or five. Really? Okay. I mean, I think Alabama could beat LSU if they played again. I'm, I'm personally done. I, I bet against Joe Burrow last week. I, I think I'm done yeah, he looks, betting against that's a good Joe point. Burrow. Like, I think head-to-head, like, if it comes down to – I really like what Justin Fields is doing at Ohio State, but I think if it comes down to, like, a quarterback needing to make a big play in a big moment, I have more confidence in Joe Burrow uh, than Justin Fields at this point. Maybe next year? Maybe another year in Ohio State system, maybe it's a different Joe Burrow's got to be one of the most clutch, iciest college football quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. We've seen guys put up numbers, Kyler Murray, you know, Tua. Joe Burrow's got some sort of – and look, Tua won the national title with, you know, second and 26. Joe Burrow's got ice in his veins, man. The Burrow sideline stare. I mean, he's not phased by anything. I think he would relish a chance cool to get to go against Ohio State. I think Ohio State would win. Also touching on another big topic we mentioned on the show, Chase Young. Woody has a question. He wants to know if it's fair that Chase Young served one of the two games that he's suspended for before the suspension became official. Should he have, you know, because it really has no net. It's kind of like a time served type. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like Ohio State. Like, they didn't need Chase Young for those two games. Maryland and Rutgers, they got Penn State after that. You know, should they have maybe waited, and then now Chase Young has to sit out Penn State? Well, I mean, Ohio State made the right decision here. Right. I mean, fair is a loaded word. Is it fair to penalize someone at all for taking some money from someone who is willing to give it to them and pay it back later? Like, Do you think it's fair that Rutgers has to play Ohio State? <laughs> <laughs> oh, one last hypothetical here. This one's a real ba- brain buster, I think, from Jamie, who says, what would happen if Minnesota finishes a regular season undefeated, as, as does Ohio State, and then Minnesota beats Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, would they both get into the playoff? Yes. Both? Oh. Wait. Well, I mean, it's very dependent what? on... Yes. I think... I mean, it's dependent wait, wait, wait. on all if kinds Minnesota of scenarios. If Minnesota beats Ohio State... Wait, 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 wait. Let's back up for Well, Minnesota's there's, definitely there's, in. Okay, Minnesota's def- in. Yeah, One. Minnesota would definitely be in. Ohio State is 1,000% in. I, 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 hold on, a, but you got you're running out of team like spots. Right, no, I have, right. I have you got yeah. you got LSU, okay. you got Georgia, you got uh, Clemson, yeah. Clemson, Stop. Alabama. Be Minnesota, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson. That's not even close. Ohio State's resume against other one loss teams. Yeah. Get I'm out not, of here. I'm not. This is green. I'm just get saying out that of here. You're comparing you've got, Ohio State into the Pac-12. You're, throwing you're comparing team. Ohio State to the Big Twelve. You're comparing Ohio State to Alabama and Ohio State to Georgia. It's not even close. Ohio State has the eye test, and they will have the resume because in this scenario, Ohio State will have beaten Penn State and Michigan. Your playoff would be LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Minnesota. I, I agree with both of you somehow. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. If you're leaving no, Ohio State out for, for – oh, my God. So, like, you know, as, as, we said, as I said before with Alabama, eye test, sure, put them in. I think in this situation – I test for Ohio State. Absolutely, they belong in. Resume is also strong. But you do get to a point where you're talk, it's, it's a little bit harder. To, I think it's easy to say Minnesota's in in that scenario. That's a no-brainer. But with Ohio State, you're getting into a lot of situations where what's going on with other teams. And so it, I, think, I think they have a very good argument to be in, but I don't think I can sit here and say, yes, definitely. Unless Baylor runs the table and gives the Big 12 an undefeated <laughs> conference champion, you, again, are comparing Ohio State's one-loss resume to Oregon, Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Alabama. Sure. Come on. So what happens, what happens oh. in your scenario where Georgia beats LSU? What do you do then? <laughs> oh. Well, I'll try to wait. Uh, I think <laughs> your brain just melts. <laughs> Did he just freeze up? <laughs> I think you boot Georgia. Just unplug him and plug him I think you booted. I think you boot Georgia. I think you beat Georgia. So an interesting thing here that this question no. raises is does a loss in the conference championship game get treated differently than a loss, a Alabama's question. loss to LSU in the regular season? Like, did, I think you probably wait it, wait the, like, dock Ohio State less for the loss to Minnesota in a title game since you're playing it. 
extra game. Yes, and because the playoff rankings come out like eight hours after the Big Ten will have concluded its playoff game, and like I think the committee, like it's not enough time to stew on that loss. I think they're like, yeah, they're they're still in. I don't know. The whole Georgia scenario is now is now is interesting. Yeah. Um, well, the Minnesota, throwing Minnesota in there is very interesting. PJ Flag has a chance to, to really mess things up. Really mess things up. Rock the boat. Yeah, rock the boat. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Let's move on to the fan of the week. This week it is Mike Twan Hatchet. Uh, is he wearing a lower Marion jersey? I don't know. So I believe he's oh, yeah. talking about Ohio State here. Uh, this is what he says. People keep saying they're playing better without Urban. The Florida Gators haven't had a, any bite since Urban left. What happens when the recruits he got are gone? Can you read I was just at confirming that this is, a, Co- this is so, a Kobe okay. Bryant jersey. I was just confirming <laughs> that on Google. That, that LSU thing just really messed you up just a second ago. <laughs> uh, pe- okay. People keep saying they're playing better Who without is? Urban. Okay. Ohio State. Yeah. I believe this is what we Connor said that. The Florida Gators haven't be- had any bite since Urban left. What happens when the recruits he got at Ohio State are gone? Can Ryan Day- it's basically, can Ryan Day keep this up? Yes. Well, just to chip away at the premise a little bit, Florida also didn't have any bite during Urban's final year at Florida mm, before, he, before he retired, or whatever he did. <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, do we accept the premise that Ohio State isn't recruiting just as well? Yeah, they're number four in the country. Yeah. Uh, two five-stars, two top ten players to be exact. They're you know, Paris Johnson and Julian Fleming. Ohio State's going to be totally fine. Urban Meyer resurrected Ohio State and gave them bite they didn't have under Jim Trestle. And now Ryan Day is going to keep that thing going for the next 10 years. What, what's the guy that transferred? I'm drawing a blank. The transfer to Miami. What kind of team would this Tate be? Tate Martell? What kind of team would this be without Justin Fields? Woo! Hmm. You know what? They'd probably <laughs> still be undefeated. Think so? Because their defense is that good. They are very Tate good. Tate Martell can at least run, and that would at least you know, keep yeah. J.K. Dobbins unlocked. Yeah. Good question. You know what, though, Josh? If Justin Fields doesn't come to Ohio State, their starting quarterback's Matthew Baldwin, I think, now at yeah. TCU. The Justin Fields, Jake Fromm transfer scenario is going to, we're going to feel the aftershocks of this for the next few years. Okay. All right. Thank you for your questions. Let's move on to the picks. I have no idea how we did last week. I have no idea uh, how we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, as, who's filling in for Barton? Uh, Kevin? Kevin is going to fill in for Barton, I believe. Is that correct? Or? That's right. And by the way, one more. Dwayne says, oh, fellas, I said it last week. I've been waiting on this show for a week. All, all, and three of y'all got it right with picking LSU over Bama. Congrats. Thank so, you. Yeah, another big week, you. guys, right? You know, I, uh, I had a strong week last week. I, I think here I come. Strong five and five by your boy here. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, let's see here. So we're Kevin, oh, we're starting with, okay. No, we're, we'll, we'll just we'll go to Connor and then we'll go okay, to, cool. we'll just do the normal. Uh, that makes sense. All right, so Indiana is going to Penn State. Penn State's a 14 and a half point favorite. Yeah, uh, I'm very appreciative of Indiana being a seven and two team and the fact that they're pretty good, but I think it, Penn State, at, maybe this was at Indiana. I'd be inclined to maybe go with the letdown game for Penn State here, but I think at home, with uh, still in control of their own destiny in the Big Ten East, I think they'll be too motivated and they'll, they'll get the win. I think a mad, emotional, desperate Penn State team blows the doors off of an Indiana team without its starting quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., for the rest of the season. Nittany Lions. Barton? <laughs> I like James Franklin. He's a good coach, and he's going to get Sean Clifford back on track this week. He's not going to make the same mistakes. Give me Penn State. I love it. Uh, I'm going to roll with Penn State as well. They're angry. They're going to win. Big favorites as well. Give me Penn State. It's a good Barton impression. Florida is a seven-point favorite at Missouri. Yeah, I understand the inclination to go with Missouri at home. They've been just a different team at home, but... The offense has just been too bad recently, and Florida is a little too well-rounded. I'm going with the Gators. Missouri plays really well at home. This Barry Odom really needs a win. Uh, Missouri, Missouri has scored seven points in the last two weeks, but I'm going Missouri because they need it, and because you, they're at home. And you need and it. And I need it. I need to start making some progress. 
Barton's going with Missouri as one. He's got it in bold, so it might have been one of those ones where he breaks out his soapbox. Yeah, he's uh, probably missing this so. opportunity. I don't know, but he's got Missouri. For that. <laughs> Missouri's one of the worst teams I've ever seen on the road. I know they're playing at home this week, but I still cannot pick them. Florida goes in there and wins. Your whole statement makes no sense then. Well, still, <laughs> I, I said I still can't pick them. Uh, let's see here. Michigan State's going to Michigan. Michigan's a 13 and a half point favorite. Yeah, I kind of think the wheels are coming off for Michigan State here, and the Wolverines are going to win this one comfortably. Wish Barton was here because he really pushed back on my take that Mark D'Antonio was on the hot seat a few weeks ago. I think he is indeed maybe coaching this last few games as the Spartans head coach. Wolverines. Barton is going with Michigan in this one. I guess he doesn't see a bounce back for D'Antonio. I agree with Barton. I am picking Michigan. <laughs> Navy at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a seven-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, you never really know when somebody's going to get good and service academied. It just kind of comes out of nowhere, it seems. So I don't, I don't have the confidence to go and say I'm going to make that pick, but something to be wary of. Notre Dame at home, I'm going with the Irish. I'm desperate for a win to make up progress in the picks, and this game's perfect opportunity. Navy has mm. the number one rushing offense in the country. Notre Dame's rushing defense is whatever, 53 in, in the nation. And yeah, uh, this is a tough offense to play. So I'm going midshipman. Barton is going with Notre Dame. Of course. And I'm nervous with this pick for the same reasons you just mentioned. Uh, if you saw that Michigan-Notre Dame game, they got ran all over. And Navy's going to be a tough one for them. I'm going to roll with Notre Dame at home. So give me Notre Dame. USC is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at California. Or Cal. Yeah, I went with USC here. I don't feel great about it. Um, you got speculation about the head coach, but Cal's offense is just brutal, and I'm going with USC. I got a weird, like, f fun vibe out of watching Cal the first few weeks of the year until Garbers got hurt. Uh, they, they're bad now. USC, Clay Helton's desperate. They still control their own destiny. Barton is going with USC as well, and it's another one that's in bold, so he must have had a good reason to pick him. He was going to throw out like some defensive players we've never heard of. I'm sure. Let's go ahead and make it a sweep. I got USC as well. Texas, Texas, Texas at Iowa State. Iowa State's a seven-point favorite. Yeah, Iowa State has been unlucky losers in a lot of games this year, losing a lot of close ones. I think they're going to get back on track at home against Texas. I like both of these teams a lot. Both of these teams have a special place uh, close to my heart. I think Texas is, they got the win they needed to against Kansas State last week, and now they're back in the role. They love the area, the underdog. I don't think the weather is going to bother them. Longhorns go up to Ames and notch a massive win. Trey, do you think there's any chance Barton picked your Longhorns? No, Barton has relished all year picking against my Longhorns. Barton picked Iowa State. <laughs> this is a spot where I see Texas going up there and getting the win. I'm going with Texas. Minnesota at Iowa. Iowa's a three-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting spot for Minnesota going on the road to a really tough defense the week after getting a marquee victory over Penn State. But I think Minnesota is just too – I mean, they played a better version of Iowa to some degree uh, in Penn State last week and absolutely lit them on fire on offense. So I think Minnesota is going to be just fine here. Minnesota has a little bit of a hangover. Iowa's got a great defense. Iowa's going to control the ball. Iowa's not going to give up the busted plays that Penn State gave up, which was uncharacteristic of the Nittany Lions. And Vegas tells me to go Iowa, and I need the help. Barton is going with Iowa, so I guess this could be the end of our undefeated Minnesota talk. Oh. See, this just feels like a spot to me where Minnesota's going to fall on their face or something. I, I mean, I just mm, like the Iowa. dream They're, ends. Yeah, I just... That high high wind off, coming off Penn State, I just could see this happening. Eventually, the talent deficit gets you. Yeah. Uh, U UCLA at Utah. Utah's a 21-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, Utah's going to win. I don't, Utah's way better than UCLA. Yeah, this is where we miss Barton to give us the breakdown of the games yeah. that we don't stay up to watch. Uh, Utah's yeah. going to win. This game's really on here so that we acknowledge Pac-12 fans that we know your games uh, exist. Okay. I was wondering And we are talking why. about your games every <laughs> once in a while. Barton is going with Utah, and he's got the Utes staying alive in the playoff race. Let's make it a sweep. I got Utah. Watch out, though. This is a Chip Kelly situation. Just watch out. Right. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma's a 10-point favorite at Baylor. Yeah. Uh, you know, Baylor getting dinged a lot for their MacGyver-like escapes from some of these tight spots in their Big 12 schedule. But Oklahoma, I don't – I mean, we have talked about 
how they've performed in the past couple weeks against barely beating Iowa State, losing to Kansas State. Baylor will be the best defense that Oklahoma has run into all season. And I think the Baylor's, the Baylor's, the Baylor Bears wow. keep the magic going Whoa. for at least one more week. Look, you know, I've learned my lesson about making fun of you for your Baylor picks. I'm just going <laughs> to say this. I am picking Oklahoma. And I do think that my pick says more about Baylor than it does about the Sooners. I'm not liking the way OU's been playing recently, but I do think Baylor keeps getting lucky. And I think eventually that, that, that catches up to you, especially against a team with more talent and a way better quarterback. Barton is picking the Sooners in the potential Big 12 championship preview. Ooh. I like Oklahoma as well. I just I think they're going to have something to say about the playoffs here at the end. Not saying they're getting in. I'm just saying they're going to have something to say about it. Uh, and then finally, Georgia is a two-and-a-half-point favorite going to Auburn. Yeah, it's kind of – this is more of a hunch. I mean, two relatively evenly matched teams, two really strong defenses, a little less certain on the offensive side of the ball at times. At On the Plains, at Auburn, I think Gus Malzahn's job vaguely on the line as always – I think the Tigers find a way to get it done. I think both these teams are going to have a really tough time scoring on their yeah. opponent. And in that situation, I'm going with a veteran quarterback over the true freshmen of Georgia. Sure. I'm personally really excited to see how this matchup turns out because of the way Auburn played against LSU earlier. I want to see if Georgia's actually better than Auburn at Auburn's place, but Barton is going with Georgia. Who would you have gone with, Auburn? I'm going to go with Georgia, too, okay. so I'm right there. Yeah, I, I could definitely see a scenario where Auburn pulls this out at home, but I just think Georgia's got too much talent. Georgia's starting to get it rolling. Give me Georgia. All right, fellas, that was it. Uh, a pretty good show without Barton here. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about that before the show. but Well, we uh, only found out an hour before. Yeah, yeah. that was a little uh, – but uh, you guys did great moving up in the, the big seat. So uh, – <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Kevin. Do you guys think Barton watched? Anytime, Kevin's corner. No. Stop by. Zero chance. Zero yeah. chance, Barton watched. <laughs> he probably forgot it was on. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Thanks to the guys in the back. Colin, Mike, getting it done. Ted, of course. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.